podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Across the Pond Sports Podcast, part of Across the Pond Sports Network. Don't forget to drop us a rating and review after the episode. Check us out on social media and on our website at atbsports.net. Hello and welcome to Across the Pond Sports Podcast. Back for a special episode. We've had the Hall of Fame and we've again had another Hall of Fame. And then we've got some NBA news as well in terms of how the, the playoffs are going to be looking. So, Ryan, wow, what a Hall of Fame we just had. Uh, we have another one in September. The one that was the other night was happened because obviously they couldn't have it last year in September with the pandemic and stuff. So it kind of got pushed back. Now, this was always going to be an emotional one. And, and to be fair, they usually tend to be emotional. However, this more than most. We'll, we'll start off with Kevin Garnett. He had a, an amazing career as a player. Started off in Minnesota, into Boston, into Brooklyn, weirdly, <laughs> when Brooklyn decided to give away all their picks. His career started when I was in high school. And he, he's kind of not long finished it, really. But he had an amazing career straight out of high school. Yeah, he was obviously, he was one of these kind of new generation bigs. He spaced the floor quite a lot as, as a big and he was known for his defense. I thought later on in his career, he was a lot more of a polished athlete than he was at the start. At the start, he was very kind of reckless and it was it was up to who he was playing against to see if he would stay in games from foul trouble and stuff. So seeing that he did eventually finish his career back in Minnesota. I think that was that was a good thing for him. I think he regrets that he's not involved with the whole Minnesota takeover the most. That I was quite surprised that that didn't come out or that didn't slip into his kind of statements last night. It did sort of. He, he did hint that he would be back. So I know that the A-Rod deal hasn't gone through yet and there is obviously discussions ongoing as to whether that will actually happen so it could be interesting to see if the A-Rod deal doesn't go through could Kevin Garnett and the the people that he had come together uh, and bring in a better a better deal he had an amazing career Kevin Garnett like I say left straight from high school he started started off as a three then moved up to as a four and at some point in his career, started playing as a centre for Boston. I think that was mostly due to kind of him just being so dominant. And, like, it was weird. Against bigger players, he just made himself grow 10 foot all over them and just kind of barged them out of the way. Well, he's, he's always had that really big personality. So seeing him playing as a centre, I, I wasn't that surprised at it. Especially... In, in that kind of age of the league where a lot of teams were trying new things. And for Boston, that was definitely what really propelled them forward. Before they obviously went and got KG, they were looking a little bit kind of ropish at the back. Whereas when, when he was there, it was like... He, he was more of a deterrent of the fact of, of 
he would get very, very physical with the big guys rather than I'm going to block your shots. So it was it was more of they don't want to go in there against KG because they're going to get abused. They're not going to be able to push him around and they're not going to have it all their own way. No, he did win a title with Boston. It was one that was very much a a brotherhood kind of feel when they, when they won that. Do you think... You know, he moved away from Minnesota. He spent a long, long time in Minnesota. I think that's a lot of players do move. And Minnesota, obviously, in terms of playoffs, don't have the greatest of histories, especially when you compare that to Boston's. That was definitely the best move that he could have made, isn't it? It's 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 up there with uh, one of the best moves he could have made. I mean, I think there was a few teams all kind of competing for a century at the time. He could have. He had his choice of where he wanted to go to, but obviously he decided he wanted to team up with one of his friends and Paul Pierce, and it was it was a really really good matchup. I think that if he'd have chosen to pick his talents to move elsewhere, it, it could have worked out as well. I just think like that that whole the come together for for Boston for for those three or four years that they were really at the peak of the powers was very very impressive, and I'm glad that we got to see it. Um, I'm, I'm a bit obviously, as you were saying, he, he ended up in Brooklyn with a lot of these guys as well. That really put a downer on how these guys really gelled together because that was that was ugly. That was that was not nice to watch at all. Yeah, it was pretty pretty ugly. Now another man who was inducted into the Hall of Fame by the Admiral David Robinson was Tim Duncan or Timothy Theodore Duncan, Timmy the Big Fundamental, Groundhog Day, Old Man Riverwalk, the Stone Buddha. I mean, the, the list goes on in terms of the amount of games he had. Drafted by the San Antonio Spurs, first pick, first overall, pretty spectacular. Made his debut back in 97. Again, I was still in high school, showing my age. 15-time All-Star, 5-time NBA champ, 15-time All-NBA and All-Defensive. He won Rookie of the Year, won three finals MVP, two MVP. And, I mean, he was just an absolute boss. But one thing I noticed was, throughout his career, is that he was just like a big, quiet giant. Now, when he gave his speech, he looked completely uncomfortable. Like, this is not in my arena whatsoever, as public speaking. And he did did well, you know, he he managed to get through it. But yeah, he he looked pretty uncomfortable doing it. If If you didn't notice as well, he was dressed as Timmy. He wasn't the big flamboyant suit, etc. It was a black suit, white shirt, no tie, very kind of relaxed. And that's that's how he played the whole game. You know, if you seen him on the bench for San Antonio a few years ago, that's what he would be showing up like. He wasn't that guy who would, you know, shell out on the big high price things or be fancy and flashy. He was just a guy, down, a very kind of down-to-earth guy. And I think that's why so many people loved him. Yeah, I, I mean, he's, he's loved by... Everyone. Um, it doesn't matter whether you are a Knicks fan, a Timberwolves fan, Rockets fan, even Rockets fans. I think everyone has kind of a mutual respect for Tim Duncan because he wasn't the, oh, look at me, I'm in your face and I'm getting you down and all this kind of stuff. He was more of a fundamental player. And, you know, he got that nickname for a reason. And that's the way he was all the way through his career. Um, obviously, during the speech, everyone's doing their kind of thank yous. Greg Popovich obviously got the, the kind of the big one because what we don't see nowadays 
is players stay with a team for their entire career. Now, doubly, you don't see a player and a coach stay at the same team for their entire career. So, Yeah, I think the whole ethos that Pop was trying has been preaching in San Antonio, Tim is the kind of embodiment of that. It was all about team basketball, all about caring for each other, making sure that everyone in the court understands what their roles are. Tim knew exactly what his role was, and every single time he was asked to do something different, he would just go, right, okay, I'll go on with it and go and do it. And, you know, you just, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say that Tim Duncan was this guy who could go and put up 30, 40 points every single night. But what he would do is he would get a consistent 20 or so points, 12 to 14 rebounds, couple of blocks, and he would be the kind of the steadier on that San Antonio Spurs team. He was the rock or the glue that held everything together. And Mano Ginobili, I think it was, that was quoted as saying, you know, he led by example and everyone followed him because he was just so kind of well-mannered about it. He treated everyone the right way. And, you know, everyone in the locker room respected him for his entire career, not just, you know, when he was winning championships. So, and he did win five, you know, pretty, pretty decent record. Another man that made it into the Hall of Fame uh, was NBA coach, was a former player as well. But NBA coach Rudy Tomjanovic, I remember back in the day, God, I'm starting to feel old doing this. <laughs> I remember back in the day, the 94-95 seasons were without one particular player. And he played for the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan decided to play baseball for a couple of years. That is when the Houston Rockets decided they would win two NBA titles back-to-back. That was a great, great teams that they had. They had Hakeem Olajuwon, obviously, as the kind of mainstay. But for me, that kind of error without Jordan was a chance for other teams, other coaches, other players to really stand out. And basically what the Houston Rockets did was not allow anyone to take that away from them. Uh, Even Penny and and Shaq. I mean, those were two dominant players coming up in the NBA at the time. And the Rockets and Tomjanovic eventually seen them off and and took their their titles. Well, you got to remember, this is a a young young Shaq. And it was a very young Orlando team. So I'm, I'm not sure if the Rockets, if you give them, if you give the Magic another two years with that group together, I think like that matchup's a much, much closer thing. I think it probably swings the other way. Potentially, especially because Akeem is a bit older. Although you've got to remember that Charles Barkley was added to that team as well uh, a couple of years later. So, although that didn't work out so well for him. Uh, <laughs> not that I'm going to rub that in anyone's face or anything, Charles. Chucky. So, another player that was added to the Hall of Fame that was the late Kobe Bryant, Black Mamba, pretty much. I mean, he's got a bunch of, of nicknames out there, but that's the one that's synonymous with, with Kobe Bryant. Now, Michael Jordan was his mentor, and Michael Jordan um, walked his wife, Vanessa, up to the stage and to give a speech, and she gave quite a, a heartfelt speech. She held herself together, an unimaginable kind of position that she would be in, thinking that she would have to give this speech on his behalf. But she did, and she did it very well. Kobe is an 18-time All-Star, two-time scoring champ, five-time NBA champ, 15-time All-NBA, 12-time All-Defense. Um, he won rookie, four-time MVP, two-time Finals MVP, and 
uh, sorry, all four time All Star MVP. Sorry, um, so he had a massive career and he has had a massive impact in basketball. You know, I remember growing up and MJ retired. Kobe came into the league. Kobe was the the heir apparent that would that would take over from from MJ. Now, some will argue that he did, and some will argue say he didn't because he, he didn't win six. But sometimes I think if you take titles out of it, you just look at the mentality of the player. And I've all, I have always been critical of Kobe in terms of how he treated his teammates. However, after I've seen the last dance, <laughs> I can see that it, it was something that that's what champions did back then because you could see that MJ had that same effect. I don't, I don't, I've never heard of a story of Kobe hitting a, hitting a teammate um, yet. But that's that's probably something that'll come out years from now. But in terms of Kobe, the player, how big of an impact does his legacy leave? When you talk about the the memorable Lakers, I think like he his name will be up there, if not first, probably second. He might end up above Magic in a lot of people's estimations of most important Lakers ever. It all kind of depends on what perceived public kind of think of of what his game really was from that kind of dominant period when when he first came into the league uh, until the last few years when he was really kind of hobbled with injuries. So it'll be really kind of interesting how important people really view that. But as you were saying, he's he he really kind of took forth that kind of whole mentality of Jordan's of he would do anything to win. And I think a lot of that really kind of rubs off on his teammates, and that's obviously why a lot of his teammates didn't like him in the end. And he kind of forced a lot of people out. Obviously, quite famously, Shaq, Dwight Howard, the list kind of goes on and on and on. But one thing they would all say is, if they were going into a fight and into a, a, a seven-game matchup where they needed to win, they would take that guy and have him on, his, on, on their team, no matter what. Shaq has said, said as much. There, there's no one else he'd rather play with, Kobe. And he said that, way back when they, they did the whole interview thing together because obviously there, there had been a lot of tension between the two of them. Shaq is jokey and messes around and Kobe was on it, serious balls to the wall for for the entire time that they would be in the gym. And Kobe didn't appreciate people larking around. Kobe seen that as his team and it was his team, but I don't think he, he liked to share too much of that responsibility. I think he... He felt the responsibility was on him to win titles and that he had to kind of bring people along to help him do that. But there was a lot of a lot of games that he scored 60. Uh, There's one obviously he scored over 80. Um, so he was a dominant force in the NBA. And if you look through the, the years that he played, just this kind of scoring totals, the, the kind of minutes played are massive. Was he fourth overall in scoring in Something the NBA that, all yeah. time? Yeah, I mean, he put in a shift. 20 years with the same franchise, which, again, like Tim Duncan, it is something that's kind of being phased out of the NBA as players staying in the, in the same place. I think Kobe's come with a little bit of an asterisk because there was a couple of times he tried to get out of LA because things weren't going his way. So if we try and put him in the same league as Tim Duncan and Dirk Nowitzki... As, as loyalty to their teams, I don't think we can say that. Did he play for anyone Did he else? request several trades away? Did... <laughs> but did he play anywhere else? 
he, he never wore another uniform unless it was an all-star game. But, I mean, I think he was fortunate and unfortunate. He was fortunate to play for the same franchise for 20 years. But I think he was unfortunate to do that in LA where there is obviously a lot of media attention. I mean, you go to San Antonio, not a lot of media attention for you. It's a small market team, basically. And the Lakers are a huge, they're the biggest market team there is outside of maybe New York. But I think he handled that well. I think, yeah, he probably did ask for trades on more than one occasion. But at the end of the day, he stayed. For whatever reason, he decided he was staying. He stayed. And I think the fans of the Lakers don't care. Yeah, you're probably right. Just on that, I think we've got to tip our hats a little bit to, I'm going to butcher this name now, Sabrina Ionescu, who hit a game one in three, very Kobe-esque, on, on the day that he gets inducted in. Yeah. Um, I, sorry, it was opening night. I think it was the night before. Opening night, she did an amazing job, as she has done, and that's probably why she got a sneaker deal, uh, signature shoes. So well done to her. Um, she was actually there as well, which was weird because I always thought it was just people that were either inducted already into the Hall of Fame and some like family and stuff of those who are being inducted were usually there. But um, yeah, they seemed to be kind of a mix of, of different people there. And they didn't have it in the usual kind of auditorium. Yeah. I, think, I think there was a little bit of, uh, because it was such a special case this year, I think because obviously Kobe wasn't there, they brought in a lot of his mentees, students, people who he'd worked with quite closely. Yeah. So I'm not that surprised that she was there. Yeah, it was really good, actually. It was a, a good ceremony. It's, it always is. And like I say, it always gets emotional. I think Vanessa Bryant did an absolutely outstanding job. Podium could see that she was holding back the tears at times. But I think she did really well and, and more power to her. Um, I think her girls got a bright future ahead of them. Um, I think... I wouldn't be surprised if they don't want to follow in their dad's footsteps and, and play basketball. So very, very good ceremony overall. And I think everyone can be pretty proud of what the job that they've all done. Um, now, obviously that Hall of Fame was put off because of COVID. We have another, that was 2020 Hall of Fame. And now we have the 2021 Hall of Fame that was just announced. We have Paul Pierce, Chris Bosch, Chris Webber, and Ben Wallace are kind of the, the headline acts of, of that Hall of Fame class. Should we start with Paul Pierce first of all? Paul Pierce is, well, the truth. He's uh, not long been kind of fired from ESPN. I don't know if fired let, let, right Let's say term, let go. But, yeah, you know, let go. Let go. Yeah, we'll say let go. P-double. He's one of these players I actually really like to play. He's a 10-time All-Star, 2008 NBA champ four-time All-NBA Finals MVP as well. For me, I don't know. I don't know if it's just the teams that he played on, but I just always assumed he'd won more titles. I think, like, you just think of him iconically winning with Boston and with KG, but you got to remember, like, they went to the finals a lot. They went to either conference finals a lot or they went, like, late on in the playoffs, but they weren't necessarily always, you know, getting... To the finals and winning it, they a lot of the time they were a little banged up, mainly for the fact that it's how Boston, how Doc Rivers plays the game. I, I don't know if you've seen a lot of Philly this year, but their big men have been really beaten on and really kind of 
you know, injury prone this year. You've got Joel Embiid out for a little bit. You've had Tobias Harris out for a bit. Dwight Howard's missed a few games here and there. So I, I don't know what it is with Doc's setups, but it always seems to be a big men that get that get kind of a bit kind of injury prone. We'll move on to the 76ers a bit later on, but I think Doc has a reputation in the NBA for, he just has this reputation where, yes, his heart's in the right place, but he doesn't always go think around things the right way, if that makes sense. Yeah, he's, he's definitely, when he gets a thought in his mind, that's how he's going to, it's going to go. And he, he doesn't like to accept other people's ideas of how to fix things. And I think that's what's really hindered him in the playoffs, especially when he was in LA, when he was with the Clippers. Every single time, they were definitely one of the best teams in the league. And it's shown through regular seasons. But when when it, when they got to the playoffs, you just knew something big was going to happen. And Doc couldn't figure a way out of it. He just wouldn't accept change. Yeah, I mean, I noticed that... Um... There's two years in a row they got knocked out by the Jazz, and so I got to see them a lot. And there was definitely a—I mean, they went out the same way twice, and it was just not great in terms of the LA Clippers and what they were trying to do and put together. And he just, like you say, just didn't want to seem to change. Another player moving into the Hall of Fame, and this one doesn't doesn't surprise me. I think Chris Bosh has been a formidable player. He's a two-time NBA champ. Obviously, he had to retire due to a heart condition and which is very sad but two-time champ on a LeBron and Wade team and he did have a 13-year career he made the all-star all-star team 11 times which is pretty impressive but you know he started off in Toronto he was the man like he was the man in Toronto and then he moves to Miami to kind of I would say probably for the first year be the third string of that trio, but do you think he's he's worth his NBA Hall of Fame or sorry Naismith Hall of Fame? Yeah, I, I say I would probably say yeah, he probably is. I think it's more so that he wasn't given his full run of it. I think if we we saw him with D Wade or with a a second star, we might have looked at Chris Boss's resume a little bit different. But when you you join a a super team, if you will. There is always that one guy who seems to not get as much of the limelight. And I think we're seeing that, well, we've not quite seen it yet in the in the Nets, but I'll be very intrigued to find out who that's going to be because we know they're not going to be able to share the ball that well. But yeah, so him being inducted into the the Hall of Fame, I, I don't have anything against it. I think like how he was and how, how dominant he was in Toronto, albeit it, he was pretty much the only thing they had. So... It could be very much a very much a, a system of you've only got one player, like a Brad Beal last year, or you've only got one player that rushes run everything through him. Whereas he was able to adapt his game as his, as obviously he joined that that trio. He probably adapted his game more than LeBron and and more than Wade. I mean, Wade had obviously been in Miami for for a while and knew the system and everything else, and LeBron was coming in pretty much knowing the system. So was, I, I did like it when the, the kind of three of them teamed up. You could see it was going to be interesting. And obviously when they lost the first year, that was even sweeter. But it was uh, it was tough for them. Being in Miami wasn't easy. And anyone who says winning an NBA title is easy would be lying because not many people can do it. But Chris Bosch did it twice. Um, so fair, fair play time. Now, more contentious for me is Chris Webber, five-time All-Star, Five-time All-NBA. He was an All-Rookie. 
and Rookie of the Year, but no NBA titles and only a five-time All-Star. He also moved around the league um, a fair amount. I I struggle. I mean, he's. I think he's. This is like the third or fourth time he's kind of come up for kind of nomination to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. But for me, I don't know if he should. I think it's it's not. You got to remember, it's not just the NBA Hall of Fame. It's the Basketball Hall of Fame. So the stuff that he did with Jalen Rose and stuff like that in Michigan is obviously taken into account. So it's not just simply, oh, what did he do in the NBA? It's what did he do over his whole career playing basketball. So for me, I, kinda, I can kind of understand why he's been up for a nomination. Putting them in with this year's class, though, it's, it's a bit of a strange one. I think he'd be one of the ones that would be a, bit, a little bit further down my list anyway. Yeah, I think now, obviously, he played for the Wolverines, Katie Brinkley is a Wolverine, so I'm trying not to upset her. But there was a certain timeout he called during his time in Michigan when they were going for a title, and they didn't have any timeouts left, and he gave away a technical. So I don't, I don't even know if if Michigan really counts because he kind of he kind of screwed it up as well. So he had one good year, yeah, and he wins a title, but the second year, not so good. I, I think for me, Chris Webb was. A great player. I think he was a really, really solid starting player. But I just don't see him as as a Hall of Famer. I think, are we setting the bar too low for what we want to accept into the Hall of Fame? I mean, yes, you give him his college career included with his NBA. I still don't know if it's enough. Because I want to see... He did play in the NBA, and he played in the NBA for how many years was 17 years he moved around between sacramento washington philadelphia golden state troy he did move around a, a fair amount as well and so i mean the argument can be made they never really settled in anywhere either yeah i think as you were saying he was a bit he was a bit of a journeyman and i don't i don't have any ill feelings about being a journeyman and, and making it into the hall of fame I mean, you've got people like Robert Horry, who moves around a lot, has a lot of titles and stuff. So there isn't, I don't think there should be like a barrier in that sense. There should be, I think, I do, I do, I can agree with you. I do think like that him being included in the Hall of Fame for what he did in college alone would be a bit, a bit much because it wasn't like they were dominant for three years. And they won everything that was going. Obviously, as you said, he he cost them that one of the championships. But I think the whole him coming into the NBA and he was touted as one of the next big things and stuff. I think it was more the kind of presence of him coming into the NBA after those that title with Michigan and the the kind of the mess up. And he he was serviceable. He was definitely a serviceable player. And obviously, he's got some All Star appearances to account for that, but just no championships. So I, I I don't know. I don't think there should be a, a barrier of you've not won a championship, you've not been an MVP, therefore you're not going to get to the Hall of Fame. I don't think that should be a thing. So another player who, who did win an NBA title um, is Ben Wallace, um, four-time All-Star, Defensive Player of the Year, six-time All-Defensive Team, five-time All-NBA Team, and that 2004 NBA championship. So he does have a championship to his name. And I think he's got such a kind of better resume than Chris Webber. He 
place. Started off, oh, it was the Washington Bullets. That's why I didn't recognize it. So he started off with the, the Washington Bullets, uh, who then became the Wizards when he was there. Orlando. And then he spent a, a good few years in Detroit. And then he did start to kind of move around. And then he, he finished his career in Detroit as well. So I think he spent nine seasons in Detroit, which is his kind of biggest team. For me, Ben Wallace was a, an absolute beast. I mean, he he was defensively amazingly well. He, he played for 16 years, average in, in terms of blocks. I think his, his average in terms of blocks is... It's got to be something like three or four or something like that. It's something ridiculously high, isn't it? Two blocks a game, which is, for anyone, I think is pretty outstanding. Even back then, because the game was a lot more physical then, so the offense could be a lot more physical back at the beginning of his career than they would be now. Because you remember, he debuted back in 1996, which was a lot, a lot more physical era. By the time he was coming to the end of his career, probably wasn't so physical, and that's probably why he picked up a lot more foul. In terms of Ben, Big Ben, is he in for you, or is this someone that you would maybe still question? No, I, I would definitely put him in, mainly for the fact that he came from being undrafted to winning a championship and being regarded as one of the premier shot blockers slash best defenders in the league. So going from undrafted to being one of the best defenders in the league, you know, there's not a lot of people that have done that. They're obviously him, Matthew Delvadova. <laughs> but yeah, so... Went down that rabbit hole. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I don't I don't think that he shouldn't be in it. I, I'm a bit, bit curious for the fact that Chauncey Billups isn't in, and he is. That's... That's more of the kind of mm-hmm. conversation that I would say is more around it because Billups, I think, had a, a bit more of an impactful career in many different spots, whereas Ben was predominantly known for being in Detroit and being the, the kind of the go-to guy on defence there. Uh, very much Rodman on the Bulls-esque almost of, I'm not going to score very many points, but you're not going to score any on, on my team. That type of guy. He, I don't know if you, you've seen as well, looking through his career resume, but he was one of the the pieces which the Cleveland board thought that they could tempt LeBron into staying with after he was, you know, like he was in his 15th year or something at that time, which is just beyond a joke. Like he was very, very hobbled at the time. Obviously, as you were saying, the league had moved away from that kind of protect the paint at all costs type thing. So I just thought it was quite funny that that was their marquee signing for the summer. Oh, look, we've got Ben Wallace. He won an NBA championship. LeBron's surely going to stay now. That's not going to happen, I'm afraid. So Ben Wallace, um, Chris Webber, Chris Bosch, and Paul Pierce all headed to the Hall of Fame. Oh, do you know who we forgot to talk about as well, actually? We forgot to talk about Coach Bill Russell. He is being inducted as well. This is yes. obviously uh, as he was the first uh, black uh, head coach of the NBA. So... Him getting inducted twice, that'll be a, a nice one as well. I think he picked up another award for humanitarian as well. So I think he, this actually might be the wow. third. <laughs> so, yeah, busy guy. I don't know if he can win any more Hall of Fame inductions unless they start doing teams. <laughs> I know they did the Dream Team a few years back. I don't know if they start doing Boston Celtic teams <laughs> and start inducting the whole team in, but that could be interesting. But we will drop off for a second and... Take a short break and be right back after this. Ah, so we're back. So we're quickly going to touch on the playoff picture. Um, recording this in between the early games and the late games on the last day of the regular season. Um, so we've had some movement. Ryan, what have the, the Phoenix Suns been able to do? So the Phoenix Suns took a two-point win against the Spurs. 
So they now have a chance to get the number one seed if your Utah Jazz mess up against one of the worst teams in the league with Luke Walton still in charge. He's made it. He's made it to the end of the season. What? I can't believe it. He's made it to the end of the season, and that's what worries me. <laughs> you know how you can get a banana skin of a game? Imagine having a banana skin of a game on the last day of the season when you've got it, got it all on the line. Obviously, having the second seed, it does give you the advantage in terms of home court for, for most of the way, but having that number one seed would be pretty sweet. To lose it on the last day of the season isn't, isn't great motivationally, I don't think. So we'll have to, to see how that goes. Now, the Lakers and the Blazers, that is interesting because tell us what's going to happen there because they've got the same record right now. Yeah, so basically, if the Lakers beat New Orleans and Portland lose to against Denver, then it means that LA don't have to go into playing game. However, if LA win and Portland win, then LA will still go into playing game. The, the reason I think that LA will probably not be in the playing game is because Denver also want to win is because if Denver lose and the Clippers win, then it flips them around. So Denver go to fourth, the Clippers go to third and Denver have a, for what I would say, is probably a bit of a harder matchup in the first round. They've got to play Dallas. So I think Denver will be trying to win that game at all costs. Who wins out for the Clippers in, in Dallas if that was to be the case? I really hope it's Dallas. I just I hope that KP's knee, knees hold out. I hope that Kleber's back, and I'm hoping that Dontich just does what he does. I just I I don't I don't have any faith in Ty Lue. I never have done. And the Clippers this year look worse. They've got they've got they've definitely got better squads, but they look worse than they did last year. Is this because Ty Lue doesn't have his assistant LeBron James this year? I think it's I think it's because Ty Lue has no one to pull up on things. Kawhi just you just he tells Kawhi what to do and Kawhi goes out and does it. Paul George has had a really good season. He's not went into playoff P mode where he hits the backboard more times than he hits any kind of part of the rim. So yeah, I, I just I don't I don't think that they are gonna advance through that first round matchup. I think that Dallas are gonna be too good for them. So the way it is now, obviously you've got play ins and everything else still, but if it was to work out and the Lakers and the, the Warriors kind of finished off the, the top eight. Who makes the finals? Well, I I, I really want to see who who wins this matchup with you guys in the Kings tonight because I think that it gives it gives a bit a bit more of a clearer indication on who's gonna make it to the conference finals here because I think if the Jazz slip to the second seed and the the Suns get to the first seed, I think the Suns have an easier matchup to get all the way to the conference finals because then they don't have to play Denver, LA, and they'll probably play either a worn-down Dallas Mavericks team or a Clippers team who are not known for any kind of, you know, semblance of co- coherent coherentness in the playoffs. Fair enough. Um, well, we'll have to see how Phoenix do tonight to see if they can skip ahead if the Jazz... Do lose to Sacramento. As I say, I do slightly worry about this. And I've still not seen an injury report on Donovan yet, so that could be interesting. Back east then, everything's pretty much settled um, as far as the way things are going to go. Charlotte Hornets have made it to the play-in, which is pretty good. I mean, uh, they had a a pretty good season overall, and they've made the play-in. Now, 
in terms of the play-in, there is a team there that I didn't really expect to be there in the Boston Celtics. I mean, I didn't think they'd be finishing first in the East, but I did expect better from them. Is there any team that you expected more from this year that have kind of let you down? I well, I, I said that Charlotte would obviously make the play the playoffs, and from the first round matchups, them against Indiana, I think that they'll take Indiana even without Gordon Hayward and Lamelo Ball still coming back from that injury that he's had. He, they'll they'll still, I think, easily put aside the Pacers, mainly for the fact that they've played each other quite recently, and I think it was quite lopsided. So, and that was without I'm pretty sure that was without Lamelo Ball as well. I think the injuries to those two teams in that in that kind of that round of matchups has really taken a toll. Indiana and Charlotte were clearly in the playoffs before a lot of their big names went down. So from Indiana, you're missing Jeremy Jeremy Lamb, you're missing TJ Warren. Uh, Carlton Vert went out tonight with a migraine, no doubt, probably because he realizes he has to play again on next on Tuesday. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I feel sorry for them really. For them and Charlotte, I think like if teams could go in with fully strength lineups, these two should be in the normal playoffs. They shouldn't be in playing games. Charlotte, as you were saying, they've they've made the playoffs. They've had a really good run. They've obviously been missing Gordon Hayward for quite a while. It'll be interesting to find out if he's going to come back or not for these playoffs. So I think it all kind of depends on if they get further in, if he's going to come back or not. As you were saying, Boston, you were quite surprised that. I've watched a lot of Boston this year. And I didn't think it was sustainable, the level that Tatum and Brown were playing at. And I wasn't that surprised that they did start dropping when they started trading, making some weird movements. They also got rid of Daniel Tice, and then they started playing Tristan Thompson a lot more at centre. Not not a good plan. I'm pretty sure a lot of a lot of our fans out there have watched a lot of Cavs basketball when LeBron was there, so they know that Tristan Thompson isn't the, the be-all and end-all centre that you want leading the possible championship leading team I'm very I'm quite glad that Russell Westbrook has forced the Washington Wizards over the line and got into the playing games I think that will produce some real good matchups against the Boston Celtics and I wouldn't put it past them to put a bit of an upset on Brad Stevens that, that actually could be a really good matchup I think of all the playing matchups that's probably the, the best one now in terms of the Atlanta Hawks Trey Young said this week that they deserve some damn respect. They only kind of finished fifth. Um, is he reaching or overreaching? He's uh, he's reach, reaching a little bit too much. He's way above his above his level. The fact that he is not even the best player on that team just now that's that's how far he's reaching. You've got likes of Bogdanovich, who is clearly a much better leader for that team. He spreads the ball a lot better than Jerry Young. He closed the games better than Trey Young. The only thing Trey Young has over him is he scores more, throws more lobs. That's literally it. He doesn't play as good defense. It's the, you know it's just it's a bit of a strange one. I understand where he's coming from for the fact that he he probably feels like to take a team like Atlanta where they were literally nowhere for the past few years, and obviously he didn't win Rookie of the Year, so he's got that kind of chip on his shoulder as well. But to say that that they need some respect. That's not going to go well with anyone, especially when you think back a couple of years in that Atlanta team who got number one seed in the East, you know, with their five All-Stars and then got swept. That's not a good look, Trey. The same kind of question again, then. The way things sit at the moment, who's taking it all the way to the finals? 
I I think the the way it's all kind of shook out there, it's probably going to be Philly against Brooklyn in the in the conference finals, which will be a great matchup. The one thing I'm pretty disappointed in to see is that Brooklyn will probably not get tested until they have to face either Miami or the Bucks in the second round, which is just a shame because I think like if you had Charlotte being at full strength in the seventh or eighth spot and they came through against Boston, then I think it's probably a bit of a tougher matchup for Brooklyn. We saw some games with with Charlotte and Brooklyn go into some super high scoring earlier in the season, so I think that was probably a better, better matchup. Although you can never you never know how Russell Westbrook's going to react when he's against Kevin Durant. We've seen that in the past where he just turns into a, just a different possessed Russell Westbrook, and you know he just tries with all his might. He'll give everything on the, on the floor, so that could be a, a good a good matchup. And if the Wizards do take a couple of games off the nets. Who's to say they can't go all the way to the conference finals? Ooh, that's a, an outside bet, that one. Um, right then, well, we've talked about the Hall of Fame, we've talked about playoffs, and now it's just these last couple of games that need to, to finish off, and we are into the home stretch of the NBA season and the start of the playoffs, which is going to be awesome. Playing games start Tuesday, and then on the 22nd, the, the playoffs start proper, and then we're off to the races. Uh, so we will be back... Um, next week slightly later but apart from that thanks so much for listening and we will be back very soon you've been listening to across the pond sports podcast part of across the pond sports network keep checking back for more episodes sports social podcast network